Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Hallelujah. Well, we're, we're on the final message possibly of the name of Jesus, okay? We've, we've talked for the last four weeks or so about this name, Jesus, and, and Pastor Vicki, I mean, she just teed me up because what, what is the goal of the whole series? For revelation, for a greater understanding, and that's what she was talking about, that you can hear about the Word of God, you can have head knowledge, but until it drops in your spirit, until you know that you know that you know that when you speak that name, that there's not only authority behind that name, but there's the power to heal, deliver, to set free, to do what it is that you've declared that name to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love this quote by T.L. Osborne. It says this, that one mighty miracle in the name of Jesus is of greater value than a whole lifetime of philosophical, I can hardly even say that word, philosophical religion that gives no meaning and power to Christianity. We're not doing religion here this morning. Amen? This is about a relationship with a living king, the king of kings. He's seated right now at the the right hand of the Father. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And one miracle done in that name, in the name of Jesus, is greater than all the philosophical debate, what kind of wood was was Noah's Ark built out of, and, you know, whatever with this and that. Hey, that's all fine and dandy, but it's about that name of Jesus. Amen? And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Again, I'm going to give you a recap so we can kind of layer on what we've learned up to this point. You know, in the beginning, we talked about that there is power in the name of Jesus. That name is, is the Hebrew name for Jesus is the name Yeshua, and it means Yahweh saves, or the Lord is salvation. And that word salvation comes from the Greek word sozo. It means to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to rescue, to protect. So we could say it like this. Jesus is our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our protector. He's, he's so much more. Amen? And we learn that there's, it's not just the, the five uh, syllables or whatever in that name. It's not the five letters in that name. It's, again, the power behind that name. All of heaven stands at attention when you use that name of Jesus. And again, the devil wants to pervert that, use it as a curse word so it minimizes that power so we don't understand the faith that we've got in that name. Three Sundays ago, we talked about three times we knew, used the name of Jesus for supernatural protection, for healing, just like we prayed for Pastor Mike, for, to send the demons packing. Amen? That's when you use the name of Jesus. And then the next week, we talked about praying in the name of Jesus. And it's like Pastor Vicky said, it's, this is not just some religious phrase or, or a roll of the dice or, or some l- lucky rabbit's foot we, we do. No, it's, it's knowing Jesus that there is somebody behind that name of Jesus. And again, we pray to our Father in heaven in that name of Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between between us and God. Amen? And in the Old Testament, they didn't have that, they didn't have that luxury that we have. You know, a high price has been paid so we can go directly into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus, through the life of Jesus that was given for us. Amen. And again, he's forever there making intercession. He's making intercession right now on your and my behalf. Amen. Amen. And then we talked about the authority of the name of Jesus. You've got to, again, you've got to know, you've got to be confident, you've got to be certain that when you use that name, that all of heaven, all of God's power is behind that name. The authority is, is like a deputy, right? You've got, you've got all these, sh- one sheriff, but many deputies. You've got one Jesus. We're not Jesus, 
but we're like many Jesuses in the earth. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're all deputized if you're a believer. How many believers do I have here this morning? Amen. Praise God. And so we're to be out being the hands and feet of Jesus, knowing that, that God gave us this authority, this delegated power. So we activate the power with our words. It's not us doing the healing. It's not us doing the delivering. It's God doing it, but it's working through our words. Amen. That's authority. Amen. And you've got to use that authority. Acts 3.16, it said it this way. It said, his name through faith in his name. That's what we really taught on, faith in the name of Jesus, knowing that you know that that, that has made this, it was the lame man that was, was uh, begging for alms by the temple. Uh, he, it made this lame man strong, whom you see and know, that miracle. What that miracle did, you think about that. How all the townspeople were talking. The Pharisees were, were trying to get them to, to shut up about that name of Jesus. They thought they had, they had crucified Jesus, so they thought it had went away, but man, it just continued to spread. The more you persecute a Christian, the more we multiply and spread. Amen? That's how it should be even today. Amen? But just knowing that God, again, has placed this, this authority under, under our rule and under our dominion, but it's up to us to release it. And we've got we've to exercise our authority. We've got to go from being like that beggar to being the healer. Amen? And, and you've got to believe to do that. Hallelujah. This past Wednesday night, I, I want to read this, what, what Rick Renner had said when, when we were studying out and, and talking about the devil and how he operates. So we were talking about the name of Jesus, but we were talking also about unbelief and how the enemy comes against us to try to get us off of that name, off of believing in that name. And this is how he does it. It says this. It says, these five words, devils, wiles, devices, strongholds, and oppression. If you know these five words and how they're interconnected, you will know how the devil attacks in the majority of cases. You've got to know your enemy. You've got to know the devices that he uses when he tries to come against you, amen? It says the devil operates on a road and he's headed straight for your mind. He'll pound your brain trying to penetrate it. And his objective is to scramble your brains and get you to believe a lie, something that's contrary to the truth, to the, to the word of God. That's what he's trying to do. And if, if he can get you to believe a lie... He's going to build a stronghold in your mind. And from that place, he'll oppress your life, steal your joy, and rob you of your dreams and your future. But that does not have to be you. Amen? The power of God will liberate you if you will make the decision to stop listening to the lie and start listening to the truth. And that's what we've been preaching these last four weeks is the truth from the Word of God in the name of Jesus, but you've got to know that authority, you've got to use that authority, and the devil is constantly trying to, to attack our mind, right? What do we talk about? Satan, in Revelation 12, it, it said he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the liar. That's what he does is lie. He's, he's constantly hurling rocks, slander, lies. You're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're unworthy. You can't go to God. He just sits and, and flips those at your mind until he penetrates you all the way through, getting you to believe the lie. John 8, 44, this is how he operates. It says this, you are of your father, the devil. He's talking to the Pharisees. This is Jesus. All meek manner, Jesus, the pictures of the sheep on his shoulders and whatnot. This is what he said to the Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a, his character is lying. Birds fly, right? Fish swim. You put them in water, that's what they do. 
The devil lies. He's Satan. He's the accuser of the brother. That's all he can do. He's the father of lies. And we've got to know how he comes against us to, to get us into unbelief so we don't believe in that name. And if we don't believe in that name, then we won't use that name. And see, once you become a born-again Christian, see, he's lost your spirit. But what's he going to do? He's trying to come in and penetrate your mind and, and get you so oppressed. And he's trying to ruin your story, trying to ruin your marriage, trying to break up your household, trying to ruin your finances. Again, get you to believe a lie because what do we talk about? It starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts become our words. Our words become our actions. The, the things that we do, our actions become our habits and our habits shape our lives. And it all starts up here. Joyce Meyer wrote that book, Battlefield of the Mind. Such a great book. There's Battlefield of the Mind even for teens. Such a, an excellent book. One of the first books I read as a supplement when I first became a Christian because it taught me about where the warfare really goes on. It's, it's up here in our mind. Amen? But praise God, we've got authority in the name of Jesus over Satan. That word, again, Diablo, it's, it's throwing those lies and that's accusations. He wants to build that stronghold, which is a fortress or a prison. The interesting thing about a prison it's got bars, so you can, you can hold on to those bars and see, you can see freedom, but you, you're not real sure how to get there. What, what does that mean? See, you don't have to be in jail to be in prison. You can be sitting in church, and you can have believed a lie, and it becomes a stronghold in your mind, and you're looking around, and you're saying, man, everybody else here is, has got it all together. They're free. They're, they're, they're healed. They've got financial abundance. Their relationships are going good, but I'm stuck in this prison, and, and I believe that, that it's not possible for me, that I can't get out of this prison. Well, I tell you what, the devil is a liar, amen? That is a lie from the pit of hell. There is freedom, and it's in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the, the final stage is oppre oppression. And here's what Acts 10, 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I think about Noah, the Holy Spirit and power. When he got filled with the Holy Spirit, now he's out on the playground and he's witnessing to people. I'm telling you what, it gives you a greater level of confidence, amen? And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, at the end of service, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Because next to salvation, it's the second greatest thing that ever has happened to me in my life. Amen? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We talked about that before, right? You, you go to the doctor and they can't find anything wrong with you, but, but they, you've believed, you've got this stronghold, you've gotten it you know, so strong in your mind that, that you're so oppressed that you think something's wrong because there are symptoms, but yet again, it's the power of God that heals and, and delivers you from that oppression. Praise God. Final example of of believing a lie. There's a, something called a poverty spirit or, or a poverty mentality. It, it leads you to believe that you're never going to have enough. Like when I was up here sharing in the offering, if you got where, man, I can't give, I can't afford to give, we don't have enough, and, and all that thinking, that's, those are lies that, that you've been led to believe. Can't afford to save, can't afford to invest, you'll never have enough. You know, it's, it, it's, it's been this way for grandma and grandpa, it's this way for mom and dad, this is how it is for me, it's always been that way, and that's how it's always gonna be. And you, and you believe that lie, and again, because of your thinking and your words, and, and that creates your actions, because we, we do what we believe, right? Our actions are, are, are a result of our thinking. So, so what do we do here? We, we, Romans 12, 2, we renew our mind to the truth, to the word of God. John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. So you counteract that. You say, no, my God is, is the one that's going to supply all my needs. 
Amen? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And you continue to sow and you continue to grow. Doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen over time. And there are many testimonies in here. But if you don't sow any seed, there's no harvest to be expected with that. Amen? So you've got a two-way street. You've got to couple the word of God with taking action. Faith without corresponding works is dead. Hallelujah. And final thought on this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. You know, we've got to, we've got to change our thinking. We've got to believe the, the truth rather than a lie. And here's what he says. He says, you cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the enemy says, you're never going to be healed. Jesus said, he took your, your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, and by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Not only are you healed, you were healed 2,000 years ago on the cross. The devil says, you're, you're not going to make it. You're not going to have enough. No, it says, my God supplies all my needs. I've sowed bountifully. I'm going to reap bountifully in the name of Jesus. Amen? You, you replace the lie with the truth, and that's how you walk in victory. It's not a one-time event. It's a forever event. It's like fitness. You don't just go in the gym and work out one time and, and, you're, and you look like Hercules, right? No, you got to do it for the rest of your life. It's a lifestyle. Overcoming and, and, and Christianity is a, is a life that we live. Amen? Hallelujah. That was all the preface. Now we're getting into the message and, and, and this is where we're going. The name of Jesus, specifically today, God is in control. Question mark? Question mark, question mark. Is God truly in control? That's, that's the question we're going to answer here this morning. Because this is another truth that Satan has perverted and twisted. You always hear it. Even Pastor Mike and I were talking on the, uh, the other day. He goes, you know, you hear on Life 96.5, hey, God is in control. God is in control. All these earthquakes, all these wars, all these floods, all the things that, that's going on, car accidents and whatnot. Did God send all this stuff? Insurance companies, something happens, and, and they say, man, it was an act of God. Something bad happens in your life, it's, it's an act of God. That's what they say. You always can bring things back to this. What was it like in the Garden of Eden, and what's it going to be like in heaven? Right. In either of those two places, are there, are there wars and, and floods and, and famines and, and earthquakes? Well, are there? No. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Answers a lot of questions. Jesus, when he, when he got in the boat with the disciples and he said, we're going on over to the other side, and he went and took a nap down in the bottom, right? And then the, the winds and the waves, they came up. And the disciples freaked out and they went down and woke Jesus up. They said, Jesus, what, aren't, aren't you concerned about us? Don't you know we're going to die? And then he comes up and, and he simply says, peace be still. Amen. So what was he saying here? God, Father, wh wh why are you going so crazy? Like, why are you making these whiz and waves? You need to calm down. Was he going against his, his own father? No, it's, the Bible says that Jesus did what he saw his father do. So was that storm from, from God the Father? No, we've got to think this stuff out. Think it through. The full gospel, not just cherry picking out and, and repeating what everybody else says. Like Pastor Vicky said, revelation. The light bulb comes on. Amen? Knowing that you know. Otherwise, we start parroting and, and repeating what the world says, and then we wonder why you know, our, our lives are, are hectic and chaotic and, and go all sideways, and we're not walking 
in victory. The sovereignty of God is a, is a highly debated doctrine, the sovereignty of God. But why is understanding this so important? Number one, if you, if you believe this way, the way that religion teaches it, you're going to blame God for everything that happens in your life. And you're going to think that he's responsible for all the bad things that, that come into your life. See, religion says God either caused it or God allowed it. So something bad happens in your life and, and then they go, hey, God's in control. My dad dies when I, I'm 10, year old, 10 years old in a farming accident, go to school and, and uh, you know, during the day there, we, we had welders that were portable. They'd go out into irrigation systems and, and they're kind of like generators on there. So they'd fill them up with gas and go out and weld. So he was in the machine shop there and, and he was welding and the thing must have got really hot. He filled it back up with gas and a, a spark hit. The thing blew up and it burned him to death. It was an, it was an accident. But what was I told as a, as a 10-year-old young boy? God needed your father. No, I needed my father. I needed my father. And so it salves your conscience in the beginning that, yeah, you know what? Hey, he's in a better place and, and God needed him there. But see, then over the years, you, you start believing that and you start thinking on that. And then when you don't have your dad there and, and, and you're going wayward and, and you don't have that, that strong male role model, now you start, instead of looking to God, you're, you're mad at God because he's the taker of life rather than the giver of life. And that is a lie. That is a lie. Amen? That's why this is so important. Because he, he twists this truth and gets you to believe a lie. Because see, if you believe that, that God is the taker of life, you're going to have a hard time trusting him. Who's going to trust a God that, that's just taking people that you love from out of your life? Amen? The second reason we need to understand it is, is this will explain why things happen to us and in our life and in the world, more importantly. And it'll, it'll give you the knowledge so then when you're at the workplace, you can minister to coworkers, to friends, to families that don't know, that don't know the truth. And you can minister to them. Romans 5.12, it says this. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So my dad in this accident... It was just an accident because there's sin in the world. Death came in through the, the, the disobedience of Adam and, and through his disobedience, sin entered the world and death was the result of sin for the wages of sin is death. Does that make sense? Wasn't what any, anybody did or, or didn't do. It was just an accident. And I could have taken that in and understand it, but again, we want to go and we want to throw the blame at God. It's devilish. Amen? So what does this have to do with, with the name of Jesus? Well, if you, if you believe that God is in control of everything, and he's already got everything planned out, it really doesn't matter if you pray. I mean, think, through, think it through, because he's already decided the answer in advance, so, so why pray? Or if, if you believe he's already in control and he's got it already planned out, you know, why, why witness to somebody else? Because he's already decided who's going to be saved and, and, and who's not going to be saved. And you think of how he penetrates your mind, the enemy, right? If you line 10 people up and you said, hey, do you think God would, would choose you to be saved and the person next to you to, to, to go to hell? I mean, what do you think? You know, the enemy would come and say, no, you're unworthy. You're no good. You've done all this stuff. You're going to be the one that he chooses not to be saved. Another lie. Amen. If you believe that God already has it all planned out, 
all the stuff we've been talking about in the last four weeks using this authority in the name of Jesus doesn't matter anyway because God's either going to choose to heal you or he's not going to choose to heal you. And again, another lie. Amen? That's why this is so important. So spoiler alert here is, is what I want you to realize here today is that you have got a part to play. We are not God, but we work with God. God has given us the Bible to implement it, to walk out. And, and again, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And here's the deal. God is in control of those who allow him to be in control. But see, we have a will. And we can will to do and walk away. God will never leave us or forsake us, but we can choose to walk away from him and, and leave him or forsake him. Now, he's going to move heaven and earth and everything to, to woo you back and to get you back. But again, you can choose by your own will to walk away. I love, I love this saying. It says, pray as though everything depended upon God, but work as though everything depended on you. That two-way street. God's part, our part. Amen? But see, Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If, if Satan can keep you ignorant, right, then we won't do our part. We'll just think, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. It's up to God. He'll, he'll either heal Pastor Mike's rib or not. No. Yeah, doesn't even sound good, does it? I mean, I get a, uh. And that's how it should be. The knee-jerk reaction would be, you so know the truth that when you hear a lie, that you just want to spit it out. You should not meditate on it. You shouldn't give it place and, and think it through. So then it, it can't become a stronghold in your mind because you take it immediately captive because the lie is so well known that you only listen to the truth. Amen? So this word sovereignty, it, here's what it means. It means having supreme rank, power, or authority. That is what it means. It's, it's supreme rank, power, or authority. Another meaning is that it's an independent. It's a, it's a sovereign state. An example of that is the state of Texas is looking at seceding from the United States. They've talked about it before. And if they, they did that, that would become a sovereign state then. It would be separate from the United States of America. It would become its own state. And, and, and the federal government wouldn't have any, any like, authority there if, if that happened. It's sovereign. So you see, God is sovereign. He doesn't, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he, he was in the beginning. He, he created the heavens and the earth with, with the spoken word. He didn't, he didn't consult anybody else. He doesn't need anybody else. It's, it's just him. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, he created us because he wants to have communion and, and relationship with us, amen. But he's sovereign. He's supreme over everything. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Very well-known verse of scripture here that, that we're going to look through. I've had it quoted to me a few times. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You paying attention here this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. It says this, 828, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. When we were living down in, in Omaha, and again, I bored you with my story a thousand times, but got arrested for drug trafficking November 20th of 2001, spent eight and a half months in jail, got bonded out finally after that, and then Melissa and I got married two weeks later. Nine months after we got married, uh, our, our beloved bundle of joy, Noah, came along. We were living in Omaha, 
And I thought I wasn't going to have to go to prison. I was fighting my case and paying the attorney money. And he was like, hey, you're, you know, we got this all worked out. You're not going to have to go to prison and, and whatnot. Well, then I found out different. Um, and we had worked a, a plea bargain out and, and whatever. And I remember my boss down there, he was a Christian. Uh, matter of fact, they own the largest Christian bookstore down there in Omaha. It was a, a giant store out on uh, 120th and Dodge. And uh, this is what he said when he, he found out the situation. He said, all things work together for good. Not real helpful at the time. When I was looking at leaving my wife and, and six-week-old son, timing, right? And, and just understanding what the, the scripture says. We, we take things out of context. See, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say that, that all things that happen to you come from God. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that all things that happen in your life are from God. So did God motivate me? Did he lead me? Did he entice me to go and sell drugs? No. No, no absolutely not. That was my choice. And there were, in fact, consequences to my choices, to my actions. Seed, time, and harvest. And I was, I was unfortunately experiencing the harvest of breaking the law. Amen. Now, even though I had given my life to Christ and, and whatnot, I was, you know, spiritually I was free, but... Due to the law, I had to pay the, the consequences for those actions. And praise God, as a result of me getting arrested, guess what? I was open now to hearing the gospel. I was sitting up here in county jail, and, and Pastor Mike came up and, and saw me and, and you know, ministered to me and, and led me in a prayer of, of salvation, and, and I gave my life to the Lord. So see, all things work together for good, he doesn't cause that to happen, but as a result of what happens, he can get in there and he can spin around that situation so that good can come out of that situation. God didn't entice me to sell the drugs to end up in jail, but as a result of being in jail, sends Pastor Mike to minister to me, and as a result of that, I get born again, and now 22 years later, here I stand. Amen? Does that make sense? So God can take any situation and he can turn it around and use it for good. But that doesn't mean every, every situation that comes into our lives are good. Back up to two verses here in Romans 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27 says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints or the believers. That's the key right there. According to the will of God. So we always got to back out. What's pastors say? Who's, who's speaking? Who's being spoken to here? So who is Paul talking to? He's, the, the we and the are and the us are the saints or the believers that are doing what? That, that are praying right? They're interceding with the Holy Spirit's help. They're interceding, right? And, and those that love God and that are a call, a called according to his purpose. So he's not talking to the world here. That's why we don't, at a funeral, we don't just go say, hey, all things work together for good. It sounds good, but it's, it's inappropriate and it's not in the correct context. Amen? He's not talking about the world. Matter of fact, we go down to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? If, if God be for us, who could be against us? Say this, God is for me. God is for 
He's not against me. See, God is not your enemy. He is for you, amen? But if we, we believe this and we believe the twisting and that everything comes from God, like Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He did not have a full revelation of what it was that he was saying. We're our, we are new covenant believers where, again, we have direct access to the Father through the Son, Jesus. We've been given this authority. Job did not have that. Amen. So you don't stand on scriptures like that and, and pick those apart. That wasn't the main gist of the book of Job anyway. It wasn't about how Satan operates and all that stuff. We learned that from, from the new covenant and, and what Jesus had taught. Amen? Amen? God is for me, not against me. He is a good God. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're going to look at this good God. It says this, James chapter 1 verse 17, it says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from who? The Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Let me ask you this question. Is sickness or disease good? No. no. Is poverty good? No, it's not. You know, if, if, if you're of the mindset where you believe that, that sickness is here to, to teach you a lesson, then you got to take that train all the way down the tracks and you better not go to the doctor because you're going against God's will then. That's foolishness. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. He is a good, good father. Is poverty good or bad? It's bad. Amen? So if you believe, you know, God brings poverty into your life to, to teach you something, you know, uh, you know, certain denominations, the more poor you are, the more pious that you are then why would you go out and try to increase? Why would you even go get a job? We all might as well move into the, the gospel mission down there and, and, and be godly with one another, amen? But no, that's, that doesn't even sound good. It doesn't even sound right, amen? amen. But see, if, if you believe this way, it'll make you passive, right? You won't pray. You won't use your authority. You won't use the tools that God has given you and you won't be on the offense. You'll just kind of be like an amoeba you know, drifting through life and, and whatever happens, happens. You're like a pinball that just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Not here, but it, it, it does explain some Christians' lives Amen. where they think God is just in control of everything and they have no part to play whatsoever. That's, that's the religious way that the sovereignty of God is being taught. That's what I'm trying to get to you. Where the real sovereignty of God is that God is supreme. He is, he is in charge overall. But again, it's a two-way street. He's given us authority and he's given us the Bible so we're supposed to walk alongside of him with his leading, with his guiding, with his direction. Amen? Amen. If this were not true, you've, you've heard these testimonies over the last few weeks. If, if it was just Kay Sarah, Sarah, Jonathan Zoss back there who, whose knee was hurting so bad that he could barely work and then he comes in here and, and he prays for somebody else, goes home, takes an hour-long nap, walks down the stairs and his knee is completely healed. Now, had he not done that, right? Had he just been passive and go, well, hopefully God heals my knee. Or how about Brian Taylor Fechner with their, their four-year-old little banks that was, was battling night terrors and, 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 and sleepwalking and whatnot for like a year? Right. Yeah, I mean, what if we just, oh, that's too bad. You know, try to give him a little bit more food before he goes to bed or, or whatever. no. He came forward, Pastor Mike laid hands on him and declared in the name of Jesus that, that you're free and he hasn't had a night terror or slept walk since then. 
Amen? Amen. That's not being passive, that's being active. We've got to actively walk the word out. Like Pastor Victor said, we've got to work the word. It's working it in your own life. Amen? Put the word in, like we're doing this morning, and turning that over in our lives. John chapter 10, very famous verse of scripture. God is a good God. Amen? John 10, 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Pause a second. What's he trying to steal? This. This is what he's trying to steal. Anything that happens in your life, he comes immediately to try to steal the word of God and get you back on that lie. Because if you believe the truth, the truth is going to set you free and he doesn't want you free because like little Noah, free people go out and free other people. We multiply. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's finish it out. The, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Say this, good God, good God. Bad, devil. bad devil. That again fixes a lot of doctrine right there. Good God, bad devil. That fixes a lot of things. If we would just, just hold on to that. And when you're out talking to other people, it's, it's just backing them down. Jesus was always about simplicity. Good God, bad devil. So you have to decide in every situation that you're in. Where did this come from? Did it come from God? Was it my own thinking and my own actions? Or was it the enemy? And again, I'm sticking up for God this morning because he gets blamed way too much. Way too much. He is a good father. He is such a good father. Hallelujah. But see, if... If death and destruction do come from God, which is, again, some people's view, then, like I said earlier, you're going to have a really tough time trusting in him, you know, believing in him. He's become your adversary at that point. But on the flip side, if, if, if you realize and, and you believe that death and destruction come from the enemy, then you realize that, that you've got a responsibility, as we've been learning, to protect yourself and to protect your family from that enemy. You have authority. In that name of Jesus. And there is power in that name. That's what we've been talking about. The name of Jesus. We've just been coming this way and, and that way and, and up this way and just pounded it in. Because again, we've got to have a greater revelation of the name of Jesus. Yeah. And the power and authority that comes with that name. James chapter 4. As we're winding this up. James chapter 4. Verse 7. It says this. It says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James was talking here again to believers. And what did he say? He said, he said submit to God and resist to the devil. You see, there's things that, that are going to come into your lives that are from God. And, and that's what we're sub to submit to. That's what we're to yield to. Submit to what the Bible tells you to do. Submit to, to what pastors teach here for the, the last 42 years. Submit to when you go to small group and, and we do Bible studies and the things that are, that are in those books and the, and the studies that we do, we, we submit or, or we yield, yield to the things of God. Amen? And, and we move in that direction. And as we do that, we're, we're walking in victory. We're living in victory. And on the flip side... There's things that, that come into our lives that are, that are from Satan. And, and what do we do with that? We, we actively resist 
those things. That word resist means to actively fight against. And I've said this before, it's, it's not so much, you know, pushing against the devil, it's this. It's, it's as you're walking down the path of righteousness and as you're seeking truth, as you're seeking God, as you're building your relationship with him, you're moving in his direction and you're moving away from Satan's direction. Yes. And if you're sold out to him, you're not going to find yourself in situations where it's temptation, Man, what happened? You know, you're alcoholic and then you got delivered. Yeah, you know what? I was hanging out at happy hour every night. I don't know what happened. You know, and five weeks in, I just had a beer and then another beer. And I mean, you know, we got to use some common sense with some of this stuff. Things that are a struggle and a battle to you, you need to stay a a, a thousand miles away from it. You know, we're always so, you know, wanting to get to the the straight and narrow and then, or, you know, so close to it. And then when we fall into it, we, we just can't believe it. And I'm telling you, when your life has been wrecked, by sin, you don't want anything to do with it because it'll rip your life apart. The wages of sin is death. But praise God. The gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. That's the good news. And this is good news because we serve a good God. So I say it again. God is in control of those that have submitted their will to him. You've got a will. You've got choices that, that are always put in, in front of you. What do you say in the Old Testament? I've put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And we're like, duh. But he says, no, choose life. Like, who would choose death and curses? But yet we do it all the time in our mind, in our thinking. How do we do it? By, by when that thought comes and it penetrates, and then we meditate and we choose to meditate on that lie Rather than taking immediate authority over it, going to the Bible and seeing what God says about it and continue to walk in that. That takes work. That takes discipline. Again, I'd love to tell you that, hey, man, you come forward, you pray a prayer, and it's all rainbows and unicorns, but it does not work that way, brothers and sisters. This takes effort. It takes work, and it's consistency for the rest of our lives. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.